Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, Steve and Justin. It's Suzanne from Michigan. Love your show, as always. Calling about Joanne Fabrics, J-O-A-N. And provides unbiased answers. So this is Joanne. J-O-A-N is the symbol. About a $400 million market cap. Yields about 4.3%. And the reason it's uh, come down is really earnings expectations have come down. Invest Talk. Over 36 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, December 6, 2021 edition of Invest Talk, and we're moving quickly towards the end of the year. And there may be things you need to accomplish before year end, and other steps you should take to get ready for the new year. And you've got a portfolio to build, uh, decisions to make as we enter into that new year. And that's what I'm here to help you do on this radio show and podcast is to decipher the many complexities of the market and answer the questions that you have directed at your particular situation. So uh, if you call me with your questions, I can more directly answer those questions. And so that's what I'm going to do on today's program and podcast, which is operate with my mission statement independent thinking, and shared success. So in this podcast, whether I'm talking about a strategy, particular stock, uh, tax loss selling, whatever it is, I am here to give it to you without bias. Just give you the facts as I see them using my 20-plus years of investment experience, uh, a lot of studying of market history, uh, and a lot of data in front of me that I can give you and give you some perspective so you can make good money decisions. That's why I'm here. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you give me a call, you get to shape the show to however you like it. And you can interact with me live right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, that's great too. Just leave a message on our anytime voice bank. The same number never changes. 888 chart. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hello, Justin and Steve, Raphael from Jersey. Uh, I've been listening for years now. Appreciate the show. Lots of great information. I'm calling about Amcor Technologies, A-M-K-R. This is a packaging and testing semiconductor company. It's a small company, $5 billion. I'm looking at the forward PE of nine, a very small peg, it pays a small dividend, an expected five-year CAGR of 21%. This is, I think this is a bit of an unknown company. The numbers seem pretty good, and 60% insider ownership. What do you guys think about Amcor? Thanks. Appreciate your show. Thanks. Bye. All right. Looking at Amcor Technologies, and this is in the chip space, and he's correct. It does help with Semiconductor manufacturing provides outsourced semiconductor packaging and testing services to integrated device manufacturers, 
fabulous semiconductor com- companies and contract ba- foundries. It, uh, yeah, it's roughly a third of its firm's revenue is generated in the United States. The rest coming from China, Ireland, Japan, Malaysia, Taiwan, Singapore, uh, countries really across the world. So I like that it's well diversified. So that's a positive. And what you're looking at is a company, yes, that is trading uh, at low multiples, but it is in a, an industry that is notoriously very, very volatile. And earnings can become, get very volatile very fast. So if you just look at the history of this name, if you look at operating cash flow, it was about $660 million in 08, March of 08, fell all the way to $305 million, rallied all the way to uh, close to 600 again, then fell back to 389 million, um, and then uh, rallied to 646 by 2016, and then fell back to about 500 um, in early 2019. So it, its business is definitely not, it would say steady, but it is profitable. And I like that. What It, it has good profit, um, but the return equity is also fairly volatile. Um, it dipped down to only 2% in 2016, down to uh, 3% in 2019, uh, and it's average probably in the low teens. Now we're in the high 20 or the, the low 20% range. So we're kind of at, uh, I wouldn't say peak earnings, but I do think there is going to be overcapacity in the industry as, uh, the, the industry is ramping up to meet a higher chip demand as you know, the, the, the economies open up and more people spend money on services, less need for, uh, physical goods and electronics, I think there's going to be uh, a, a, a reversion to the mean. And I don't think Amcor is going to be immune to that. So while I like the company, you have to understand why it is cheap or looks cheap anyway. Um, technicals are weak. And so I would be patient on this name. Back down into the mid-teens, a share. That's where I'd be interested in this name. Now it's at 23. Let's go to Carl in Oceanside. Wants to talk about I-bonds. Yes, I-bonds. The day I spoke with the banker, and he told me there's something new about the I-bonds. Okay. He said, um, if I invest $5,000 in such an I-bond certificate that pays 7.12% 7.12% interest. To me, that is um, very high interest. And then he said, uh, if I go on the internet, I can buy each year $10,000 I bond only uh, one time each year. Yes. I'm wondering seven. Point twelve. Did you hear anything like that? Yes. Yeah, so you, you're, he's correct. If you go online, you can buy $10,000 a year. But what you have to understand, that 7.12% is not fixed. That's what it currently oh, is fixed. yielding. But that is going to be reset. Okay? It's reset twice a year based on the inflation rate. Uh-huh. So understand that that this is not 7.12% for the life of the bond. This is currently 7.12%. Yeah. Okay. So and it's so if inflation year, moderates, that's likely to come down. And you also have to understand these aren't liquid. 
So you can't go sell them in a month or two. You have to hold them for a long period of time. And if uh, if the uh, interest rate comes back down, you might be disappointed with what interest rate that it does pay. So you have to understand that 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 high rate could go both ways. Uh-huh. But if the inflation goes higher, then the, the interest should be also higher. Yes, it, it is going to uh, be. It's going to be. It has correlate correlation to uh, overall inflation. I do think inflation will remain elevated than from what we've seen uh, over the last couple of decades. I think it's going to average closer to four percent versus you know one to two percent. And so 7.12 is probably a bit aggressive. I think uh, this will also moderate back down to kind of a, a 4% uh, return. So understand that and understand how, uh, how illiquid it might be, um, what you might have to give up to, to sell it. And if you're okay with that, having a portion of your portfolio in it is not a bad idea. Thanks for the call. Now we're moving into a quick break, but here's a quick reminder. If you missed our recent wealth webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World, you can catch it for free. Start at investtalk.com. Click on webinar or go to the Invest Talk YouTube channel. We are headed into a break and my phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open 888 99 Chart. Let's go to Will in San Diego looking at Biogen IDEC BIIB. You own it or looking to buy it? I own it, uh, Justin, and it's been steadily going down. And I'm wondering if it's the whole sector that's going down or just this particular stock. Well, part of it is there was a big spike on that Alzheimer's drug announcement that, frankly, was, if you look at underneath the surface, there were uh, FDA members that, re- that resigned because of it. And it just, uh, it kind of didn't, didn't, didn't go over well within the industry. And so that entire move reversed and then some. And so part of the move is just uh, that, that Alzheimer's drug announcement that was uh, overly optimistic or the market was overly optimistic on it uh, and then the rest is probably a lot to do with the industry as a whole and if you look at the earnings expectations for this year and next year supposed to be $19.16 this year that's down 41% year over year and then down 1% next year to $19.06 so you know the, the the main problem here is that earnings are now trending negative uh, revenues last quarter down 18% year over year. No dividend for stability or anything like that. And so uh, trading 11 times earnings, that's, I mean, frankly, that is probably what it should be at when you have uh, flat to, to negative earnings uh, expectations going forward. So I, I don't love the name. I, I don't hate it down here. Um, I think you're a little late to be worried about selling it. Um, for tax losses, maybe that might be a reason to sell it right now. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a it's a good company. I just think they have issues like a lot of the big drug companies. This is a, a large um, biotech pharmaceutical company, and a lot of these companies have patent cliffs uh, coming up over the past uh, next five to, to ten years, uh, and I don't think uh, they're they're immune to that. So I just don't love this space overall. And then you also have the 
the legislation that's going through Congress to potentially negotiate on prescription drug prices and and really crimp the growth of drug prices within the industry. So I just think it's one of the the least attractive areas in the market to be investing in right now. So you know, I don't hate the company. I think it's one of the better ones in the industry. I just uh, I'm not a big fan overall with the space. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the opinion that advises what crypto investors should do next. And could this analyst be correct? So we're going to go over what he says about uh, cryptocurrencies and uh, what, what happened really over the weekend. It was a rough weekend for crypto, uh, along with really the last week for any of the story stock, the Ponzi stocks uh, within the, the market. And there's a lot of correlation, a lot of people that own this big story stocks also own the story of crypto. And that's why you're seeing a high correlation there. And so we're going to unpack that story. Also, in related news, Kathy Wood's Arbitration ETF is now trailing the overall market by 46% year to date. And we're going to look deeper into that. And that's uh, pretty, pretty amazing. So uh, I've never been a fan of hers. I think she's always been overly optimistic, and she continues to be, and she's in the denial phase. So we're going to lo- unpack that. Next, NASDAQ is going to beat the NYSE in IPO offerings this year. And we're going to dig into what that might mean going forward. And then lastly, ESG investing. What will the next few years be like in the space and what uh, evolution we will see within that market as well? So a lot to talk about today. Uh, but ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, let's look at the market today. We had the S&P down, uh, sorry, excuse me up 53 points. Definitely a nice rally for most of the day. We did get a late day sell-off and it was mainly in the NASDAQ overall. And what you saw was large cap growth up about three quarters of 1%, whereas the large cap value was up uh, 1.32%. So over half a percent uh, outperformance there. Mid cap was even more stark. Mid cap growth was only up quarter of a percent. And mid-cap value was up almost 2%. So you're talking about uh, one and three-quarters percent uh, outperformance on that side. And that's a continuation of weakness in the growth. So this bounce was really concentrated on the value side. And you're continuing to see this rotation in the market. And I think that's only getting started. Remember, I've said we are in, we just got past the tech bubble 2.0. And you need to look back to Tech Bubble 1.0 as an analogy. I think there's a lot of similarities here, some differences, but a lot of similarities. And we're past the March 2000 timeframe. We're in the denial phase, and I think there's more pain on that side of the ledger. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. So I'm here to answer your finance and investment questions. So your participation is vital. So give me a call at 888 chart Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
Now, why did Bitcoin crash this weekend and what should crypto investors do next? Now, uh, last week was a rough week for a lot of tech stocks. And that, for most of the week, didn't really impact the crypto space until the markets closed. And suddenly, on Friday, early afternoon, Bitcoin dropped from about 20% at one point uh, to its lows on Saturday. And this was from a high of about 68,000 per coin to, let's see, what was the low? Let me pull up the, the chart. Currently, it's trading at a back about 50,000, but it hit a low of, let's see here, it was yeah, right around, right around 40,000. So that's a pretty big drop, 68 to 40,000. And a lot of the other altcoins, Ethereum, Cardano, Cardano, excuse me, Dogecoin, they all fell a uh, similar amount, some uh, much more. And part of this has to do with those people that are invested in the Kathy Wood type stocks, the, the quote unquote disruptors, high multiple tech stocks. And a lot of those fell out of bed, including DocuSign on Friday that was down 40%. And so a lot of these investors have margin. And leverage, it's not uncommon in the crypto space to have leverage of 100 to 1. And so when you have a little bit of volatility, it kind of feeds on itself. And that's what you've seen here. Now, a lot of people are going to po point to the Omicron variant and worries about that. What I'm seeing in the market has absolutely nothing to do with Omicron. Omicron. Nothing things that should be hurt by potential shutdowns in the economy, et cetera, those are doing fine. It's the COVID shutdown stocks that are struggling the most. They would get a rally. So what is happening here is the Fed, which indicated it may end support sooner than it hoped. This was a, an interview by Jerome Powell during the Senate Banking Committee last week. And they talk, he talked basically about ending support early, quickening its pace of tightening monetary policy, QT. And this is what sparked really the sell-off in the markets as a whole. Created a gamma flip in the market, which is uh, basically has to do with market makers and dealers uh, to where instead of buying up assets, they were selling assets. And this just goes to show you that while a lot of people tout crypto and Bitcoin as a safe haven asset of some kind or non-correlated, it's not true. They argue that digital assets are not closely correlated to other assets like, like stocks. But this is a perfect example showing that this is a speculative market. And when there's a flight to safety, it doesn't just impact stocks. It impacts all asset classes. That's why you tend to see the dollar rally. You tend to see a, a flight to bonds uh, and out of more uncertain assets like crypto. The most important thing that happened from a technical perspective was it broke the 52,000 level on Bitcoin. And that was major support. 
now we're trading a little bit above, a little bit below that. If we can crack above it, I think uh, maybe this sell-off is done. Uh, but I don't think that it's going to be done for the next 12 months. I actually think next year is going to be a very rough year for tech stocks very and, and in relation to crypto. It is not uncommon for the crypto space to drop 70, 80, 90%. And I actually expect sometime in the next, call it 18 months, for Bitcoin to be back into the teens. 15,000, 17,000, something like that. Would not shock me. So don't think that this is just a one-off event. This is normal for these markets. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to go away. It just means that this is a highly volatile asset class. And you need to be, you need to understand that. If you're ever going to play in this field, you have to understand that and be willing to handle this level of volatility. And if you can't stomach it, then you shouldn't be playing. So you have to be comfortable with the money potentially completely going away, losing everything. And you should probably limit it to 1% to 2% of your overall assets. Okay? So I hope that gave you some clarity of what's happening in that market. Now, on the next Invest Talk, a story that looks into the question, should the Fed hike interest rates immediately to cut stagflation risks? Former Federal Reserve economist says yes. And he is warning that rising prices should send shockwaves to the economy. Steve will take you through the twists and turns of this story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so... Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it is official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like 
or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Edgar in San Diego. He wants to talk about transportation stocks. Uh, yes, I've been looking at uh, some ETF, and I was wondering uh, what's your opinion for uh, uh, transportation sector for near future for the next couple of years. And the ETF I'm looking at is FTXR, F Frank, T Tom, X X Ray, R as a rubber. Okay, you're looking at the first trust NASDAQ transportation ETF. And it has a pretty high expense ratio, which is 0.6%. If you look at uh, the the iShares transportation, that one has an expense ratio of 0.41%. So it's about uh, a, a third cheaper. So that's the first thing that sticks out 
to me. NASDAQ, or excuse me, the Morningstar has a negative rating one star on that. So that makes me lo uh, also look at it uh, pretty negatively. Now, its biggest holding is Ford. It also has Old Dominion Freight Lines, Expeditors International of Washington, a name we used to own for clients. Uh, General Motors is in there, United Rentals. Uh, so, you know, I like the space overall. Obviously, I'd, I'm picky, so I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to focus on uh, particular names within it. Uh, but this is not the vehicle I would be going with. I would be going with the uh, the uh, IYT, which is the, like I said, the iShares transportation ETF. And that has lower fees, still a, a better rating um, for Morningstar. And you're going to get similar exposures. Its top holding is, let me take a look, is Union Pacific, uh, a much better company i think overall ups also is second and so it's heavily weighted in those two names but i like those a lot better than ford uh which was the the top holding in the one you talked about so uh I, I like the space but i would go with an iyt over the one you said thanks for the call let's go to sid in toronto looking at zynga hi justin good evening good evening you uh you own zynga or looking to buy it yeah, I have uh, around 1% of my portfolio. Uh, I picked up at around 950 or 980, uh, sometime back uh, 30 to 40% down. But I'm looking at this one for the long-term perspective, and I'm thinking of adding before I do that. Do you agree with the strategy, and do you see this stock as a long-term uh, stock? I'd like to hear your uh, opinion. Thank you so much for all the guidance and the support. Yeah, no problem. Now, this is Zynga. They make games for uh, all types of platforms, iOS, uh, Android, uh, yeah, mainly iOS and Android, uh, and social networks such as Facebook. And this is a name that has had wild swings throughout the years. It's 52-week high, or it's peak back in uh, earlier this year was around... $12 a share. Now we're at $6.21 a share, down 49, basically 50% from its high. Now, revenues have celebrity growth has slowed, but it's still up 40% year over year, but they're not making any money. That's the issue. Why are they not profitable in a time when so many people were home, probably bored? They weren't able to really capitalize. They lost 42 cents a share last year. So that's what really worries me is that this is not a name that historically has good profitability. Only a handful of times throughout the uh, the last decade or so have they had positive return on equity. So I'm I'm going to pass on this name. It's competitive space, and they haven't been able to capitalize on, a, on the COVID shutdown or anything like that. So I'm going to say I would not be adding to this. I would be looking for a spot to get rid of it and, and move on. Let's go to Jay in Kansas looking at PHO, which is the Invesco Water Resource ETF. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Uh, well, to be honest, I was comparing that and FIW. They're basically the same. That's First Trust Water. Uh, they, they track super close with one another. Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of your thoughts on, on those and, and the space in general. Uh, there seems to be a little bit of buzz around it. Uh, and honestly, I was looking at maybe doing a small position, like a two to four percent of my, you know, just little trading, 
portfolio, not mm-hmm. everything, right? And just kind of dipping my toe in the water, no pun intended. Uh, just what's your thought on the space and, and those two guys? Thanks for taking the call and love listening. Appreciate it. Well, the first thing is FIW has a, a bit better of an expense ratio. You're talking about 0.54% on that one and PHO as 0.6%. So not nearly as dramatic as the previous caller on the transportation ETFs, but a modest difference uh, in, in price there. And then you want to, so it's not enough to me for me to say one over the other. So that's first off, it's not dramatic. Next, I would look at the underlying holdings. You're talking about 36 different names in FIW and in PHO, same 36 different names, but very different. Uh, FHO, PHO, PHO, uh, has Eco Labs as their top holding, Dana here, uh, Roper Technologies, American Waterworks, Waters. These are all very solid, good companies. Uh, and I actually like those over the top holdings for uh, FIW is Tetra Tech, IDEX, AO Smith. That's a good one. That's a water heater company. I like that one. Eco Labs is also in there. Uh, so it's really, I would be looking at the top holdings. Go to Morningstar, uh, go to their websites and look at the top holdings and see kind of which ones uh, are better businesses, have better profitability, better values. And I'm going to lean towards the the PHO, even though it has a little bit more, a little bit higher expense ratio. I, I like the names a little bit better. Now, is this the, you talk about hype within the industry? Uh, I, I think there's always been talk about water. I think this is more about uh, just, it's more about industrials. These are mainly industrial companies, companies that help purify water, move water. Uh, obviously, water utilities are in there as well. So uh, I, I'm going to go with PHO overall, but you can't really go wrong with either. And, and it's a decent space to, to have as part of a portfolio. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8892 We have about 20, 15 minutes left in the show to get your call in. So I encourage you to do that right now. Now let's touch a bit on the Kathy Wood ETFs, the popular ETF, ARKK. And it's filled with quote unquote, fast growing disruptive companies that fell five and a half percent on Friday, as technology stocks uh, pulled back sharply, Uh, Tesla, Robinhood, and mainly DocuSign, which had earnings and guided down dramatically, uh, down 42% on Friday. Uh, biotech company Ginkgo Bioworks, they disclosed last month they're facing a, an informal injunction from the Justice Department. That dropped 15%. And so far, the ARC Innovation ETF down 25% for the year. And VSP is up about 21%. So, and that's outside of today, which I believe it underperformed the S&P again. Yeah, looks like it. So you're underperforming at 46%. A lot of people say, well, look at last year. Well, last year was a one-off year, <laughs> a very a very unique year. And so it paid off to be piling into a lot of quote-unquote disruptive tech stocks. And investors are piling in or have piled in throughout the year. The fund itself has gained $4.9 billion in new capital this year. 
You're starting to see that reverse a little bit. Outflows of 7.7 million over the last week, but that's nothing compared to the fresh capital. And the average investor is now down. And this is kind of the trap that they're in. Very unlikely for them to get even because what happens is when, or at least for a lot of them to get even, because when it does rally, those that were down, psychology, human psychology is to sell when they break even. And so that's kind of what you're going to be dealing with. And a lot of the names within this are illiquid. So when it does go down, there is money pulled out. They're going to have to sell some illiquid names. That, uh, And when you sell in illiquid names, uh, volatility picks up quickly. Now, Kathy Wood was interviewed on CBC last week, and she felt a conviction. She said, quote, we're not in a bubble, end quote. Well, let me tell you something. This is called the denial phase of a bubble. And it's unwinding. Does that mean there's a death knell for the overall market? No. I think we're in a period like 2000, 2003, where a lot of Dow stocks, industrial stocks, value stocks, they, they went up or they chopped sideways. So there's always opportunities in the market. But the bust phase has begun. And in an era where the Fed is more apt to raise rates, although I don't think they're going to do it quickly, I don't think they're going to tighten quickly. It does not bode well for technology stocks. Inflation does not. We are in a similar analog to the 60s. Inflation is going to run relatively hot. There's going to be fiscal authority, spending money, and your cyclical stocks are going to do much better because they're going to have the new, they're going to be the new growers. And one of the problems that a lot of investors had was they were extrapolating this huge growth growth from 2000 of revenues and new users into the future. When in reality, it was just a pull forward of many years of, of growth that they would have had eventually, but it would have been spread out. And so they took these high growth rates and put massive multiples on them. And frankly, it's just not sustainable. So that's where we're at. Uh, and just be aware and hopefully you don't buy into the garbage that Kathy Wood is spewing. Now, let's make it clear that we're moving quickly to the end of 2021. And at this point, most investors may have some work to do with regards to balancing their portfolio. So I think it's worth taking a minute to make sure you're aware of some of the benefits of working with myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, where we operate with the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And the way we do that is we provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and we invest right alongside our clients, which we call parallel investing. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment offer via telephone or go to meeting, send us a message through investtalk.com if you want to set that up, or you can call our office in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, next up, we'll get back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. Remember, the phone lines never close. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. Steve and Justin are fearless. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888 99 Chart. 
Hi, Steve and Justin. It's Suzanne from Michigan. Love your show, as always. Calling about Joanne Fabrics, J-O-A-N. I know a few months ago, Justin was pretty bullish on it, and it was like around $13, $14, and it's now below 9 Can you give me an idea of fundamentals, why the drop, and just trying to decide, do I hang in there? Do I buy more? Very small portion of my portfolio. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. So this is Joanne. J-O-A-N is the symbol. About a $400 million market cap. Yields about 4.3%. And the reason it's uh, come down is really earnings expectations have come down. Expected for next year to be down 41% to $1.99 from $3.37 in 2021. Now, last year, they lost $13 per share. And that's because they have a lot of stores and uh, a lot of fixed costs. And they were shut down. A lot of them were shut down. So that's really the, the big issue there. And so that's why you're, you're in a downtrend. The big question is, where is this going to kind of level out when it comes to earnings? They made 73 cents a share last quarter. And it's a $9.38 stock. So I think it's still uh, pretty undervalued. And although they're, they're, their business is uh, definitely decelerating. So that's the really the big worry here is, that the that, that deceleration will only continue. Okay, so um, technically, I will say it does look a little rough. Um, would I buy more? Probably not. To me, it's a it's kind of a hold to see if it can hold these uh, this uh, call it eight dollar level. If it can hold above that, I think it's a it could rebound. But until it breaks back above the fifty day moving average, which right now is trading at about uh, ten dollars and sixty cents, then I wouldn't be buying more. But if it can break above that, then it would show me that that trend uh, is shifting uh, a bit uh, and that undervaluation, because it is undervalued, um, is starting to be realized. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom, whether that is on our daily show, on our uh, YouTube channel, or on our uh, premium newsletter, which comes out every Saturday morning, uh, which includes market update. Uh, some stock ideas, portfolio management tips, uh, personal finance tips. It's, it's, it's a great uh, resource. So that's another thing I think we don't talk about enough on the show that it's very valuable. So if you if you want to sign up for that, you can head over to investtalk.com. But we're heading into our final break. So get your questions in now. I want to hear from you, whatever is on your mind at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Stephen Justin is so valuable. The Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now, and Stephen Justin welcome your questions. Call 888 99Chart. Yeah, hi, Justin and Steve. This is James from New Jersey, listening to you guys for the better part of a year and appreciate everything you're doing. I was hoping you could explain the difference between SPY and VOO. Both of them seem to track the S&P, but I'm having trouble determining what the difference is between the two. Uh, appreciate your help. Thank you. Fees. That's the answer. Fees. Uh, very small amount, but uh, noticeable. VOO has an expense ratio of 0.03%, whereas SPY has an expense ratio of 0.095%. Frankly, 
about three times as expensive, the SPY. So you should definitely be buying VOO over SPY. They both track the S&P. There should be no difference in their portfolio. It's simply investing the S&P. And so the Vanguard ETF, VOO, is definitely the better vehicle that you would want to use if you are trying to simply just index or track the S&P as a whole. Uh, I know SPY is more popular. It has, which is interesting, $270 billion in assets for the Vanguard one and $415 billion for the Spiders SPY. So uh, I think everyone should be moving over to SPY, or sorry, from SPY to VOO if that's what they're trying to hold, the S&P. Good question. Thanks for the call. Now, let's touch on an interesting data point for this year, and that the NASDAQ is on track to beat the NYSE in record year for IPOs. And last year was a record year for IPOs, and this year will beat that. And what's interesting is that this is only the third time over the past couple of decades where the NYSE trailed the NASDAQ in listing value, total listing value. Two of those three years were 1999 and 2000, the peak of the dot-com bubble phase. Coincidence? I don't think so. Now, the NASDAQ was ahead of the NYC this year for a few reasons. One was SPACs. 63% of SPAC proceeds were raised on the NASDAQ. That's up from 39% last year. So they got a lot of that SPAC money. But also, they're viewed as more ESG friendly. And so that's one of the big factors as well that's helped them attract more, uh, more listings. The NYC floor was shut down last year. So less, I guess, need for people on the floor. That uh, showed, at least. So that could be... a. a part of the reason. And then because of COVID restrictions, they can do the big game. Remember when you open the market, the IPOs open the market on the NYSE? Well, because of COVID restrictions, couldn't do that. So that wasn't really a selling point. That's a classic thing to do when your company goes IPO. So that could be a reason. And then your mission-driven companies, Allbirds, Rent the Runway, Rivian, Chobani. These are all companies that listed on the NASDAQ because of their ESG mandates and their mission-driven focus. And it's viewed that NASDAQ is a bit more progressive in those areas of corporate governance. So not a shock on on that front, but uh, very interesting to see that that was a driver for a lot of the decision-making on whether to list on the NASDAQ or the NYC. But to me, that main uh, data point, the fact that this is only the third time in the past 22 years where the NASDAQ's out raising the NYSE, that's pretty wild to think about that. And just the parallels, just everything else that's lining up right now, this is why I say there are a lot of parallels just in the, in the microcosm of the market from for 2000. And then with the economy as a whole, the, the analog are the 50s and 60s, post-World War II, uh, post-financial uh, crisis, or sorry, post-Great um, Depression. 
coming out of that. And over the past decade, that's kind of what we've been coming out of since the GFC. Um, and so understanding those parallels is going to help you really allocate your capital well in this market. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads now with over 36 million. You get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. If you leave your rating or leave your question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.